everyone, this is Mike Lindstedt, president and co-founder of the Nehemiah Project, and you are listening to the Nehemiah Project podcast, where we replace hopelessness with hope. Well, we're back on our series entitled Biblical Answers to Modern Issues, and as usual, I'm here with my pastor, my buddy, my pal, Mr. Chad Wiles. Chad, what's the Wiles Report? <laughs> it's uh, pretty boring this week. Nothing. Wow. Well... My daughter did have a birthday party this weekend. Well, that's not boring. So it wasn't boring. Yeah. How old? She, she turned seven. So Nice. That was a good time. Uh, excited about that. And, uh, of course, we were working on our new location for the church mm-hmm. this past week and weekend. Um, mm-hmm. So we're moving there this week. If anyone wants to visit the Field Church, it'll be... I forget the address. The old oh, Hosanna. The old Hosanna Lutheran Church is. Yeah. I think it's like 2480 East Highway 190. I was I was just looking at the address. But oh, nice. Yeah, if you're going down the 190 towards Lacombe, you pass Pelican Athletic Club on the left-hand side, up and over that little bridge, boom, the church is right on your right-hand side. It used to be called Hosanna Lutheran. Yeah. And uh, we're going to one service in our new building at 10 a.m., so... 10 a.m. Don't miss it. That's the only chance you got. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to the one service again. I really enjoy having the whole body together. Yeah. Um, going to two services was a unfortunate necessity, I think. It might, it's just my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things when you run out of space, you got to do something. Right. Um, and then our headquarters will be going there hopefully in the next few months. So. Yeah. Stay tuned for that. We haven't officially yeah. announced it, but <laughs> we do have big things happening here at the Nehemiah Project. Besides people getting saved, besides people's mm-hmm. lives being transformed, all that stuff, we have some large um, expansion projects, we'll yeah, put it yeah. that way, coming up over the next couple of years. So anything, definitely exciting. Anything on the Linstead front? The Linstead front? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Just chugging away, man. Uh, enjoying life. I'm enjoying my daughter, enjoying my wife. Uh, oh, I got accepted to the Master's Seminary or Master's University. See, there's something. There is something new. Um, and if anyone out there listening knows me, you'll know that, uh, in my former life before Christ, I hated school and, um, I dropped out of college because of drug and alcohol addiction. And I, when I dropped out, I was on academic probation. Yeah. Well, master's university accepted me, but they started me out right where I left off (laughs) on academic probation. So, uh, you know, you can laugh now if you know me now because, you know, I like, I'm obsessed with learning. Yeah. Um, but I think it's fair. I think it's just. I think it's right. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to um, get off of academic. Uh, it only take you one semester, I, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So that's really exciting. Going to go back to school and finish my bachelor's degree. Um, I, I'm going to be getting it in biblical studies. Um, and I feel that that's what the Lord is gifted me to do is to yeah. teach the word of God. Um, I love teaching the word of God. I would, I don't really want to do anything else with my life other mm-hmm. than what he's called me to do here at Nehemiah Project. But the cool thing is that's part of it. That's right. Teaching the word of God. That's right. So uh, he has given me the best of both worlds in a sense. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. But we're going to move on now to our topic today, which is marriage. We are discussing chapter seven of the book of First Corinthians. Uh, our last podcast, we did verses one through nine in chapter seven. And today we're going to do verses uh, 10 through 24. Now there's a total of 40 verses in this one chapter, and they're all related to the topic of marriage primarily. But as is typical of the Apostle Paul in the book of First Corinthians, 
He digresses every now and then. And when he digresses, what he's doing is taking a general principle that he's using to answer the questions of the Corinthians and then applying that general principle to other applicable areas of life. And so we're going to see one of those digression areas today in our text, but make no mistake about it, the primary issue at hand is marriage. Mm -hmm. And just a quick review of the culture. Remember, the uh, Corinthian church exists during the time of the Roman Empire, and Greek philosophy was alive and well during this time. And some schools of Greek philosophy placed a very high premium on celibacy. Mm-hmm. They thought that if you were celibate, um, and we'll qualify what they meant by that in a second, that you were, to wow. put it in Christian vernacular, holier than thou, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you, you could devote your life to philosophy. Yeah. And this made you wise and mm-hmm. to be sought after. But it wasn't really that all that moral because yeah. they allowed for sexual release by the use of prostitutes. <laughs> so you wouldn't get tied down, quote unquote, in a marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could devote your life, right? But you could still kind of take care of that desire for sex on the side. But it wouldn't really matter. It wouldn't make you an immoral person. Right. That's that's normal. It's what everybody does. Right. Right. We'll make a you know, we will make a <laughs> right. an excuse for mankind to uh, indulge his lusts, if you will. Yeah. But but you know, in a sense, right? That was basically that basically sums up the cultural positions. Like most people thought. You know what? If you can get married and you can procreate, then go ahead and get married and have kids, right? Yeah. But there were some religious sects and philo- philosophical schools that placed a high premium on celibacy and even just totally disregarded marriage mm-hmm. for the purposes of devoting oneself to philosophy. Yeah. Which is interesting because Paul himself has said, I, I wish everyone would just be like me in that they can devote their entire lives to Christ, right? Mm-hmm. They can devote all of their energies to the Lord. And so, you know, there's some parallels there between the cultural position and Paul's position. Yeah. But Paul also understands that not everybody is like him. Yeah. Uh, nor is he trying to make everybody like him in that sense. And so he says, if, and I'm reading now from the text, uh, verse 9 of chapter 7, but if they cannot exercise self-control, then they should marry. Mm-hmm. For it's better to marry than to burn with passion, right? Yeah. So Paul, you know, clearly says that, Marriage is a good thing. And we talked about why God created marriage in the last two podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if you have the inability to control your sexual desire, yeah. then get married. Get married to a believer specifically. Mm-hmm. But the questions that were raised by some of the Corinthians was, well, what if I was married before I got saved and now I'm saved and my spouse isn't a Christian? Yeah, What should I do, right? And so we're going to address some of the sort of uh, particular questions that the Corinthians had here in this section today. Chad, do you have any comments before we get started? Uh, no. no. All right. I, I think you hit it right. well. Okay, so we're going to read verses 10 through 24. I'll read uh, seven verses, Chad, and then you can finish us off. All right. All right. First Corinthians chapter 7, starting at verse 10, says this. To the married, I give this charge, not I, but the Lord, that the wife should not separate from her husband. But if she does... She should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband, and the husband should not divorce his wife. Now to the rest I say, I, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. 
if any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. For how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a free, free man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. Hey everyone, it's Mike here. If you enjoy listening to the Nehemiah Project podcast two times a week, then we'd ask you to consider becoming a builder. What is a builder? A builder is a monthly donor, someone who believes in what the Lord is doing through the ministry of the Nehemiah Project. And one of the many things that we do is this podcast. Our goal with the podcast is to educate people on what the Bible actually says and to encourage people to carry out the truth in their lives. And so we need the monthly donations from our builders in order to continue this ministry. So if you want to keep hearing these podcasts, we'd encourage you, head on over to tnproject.org slash donate and become a builder today. All right. And so Paul ends that section there with a reiteration of the mm -hmm. basic general principle, mm -hmm. which is what he just said. In whatever condition each one was called, let him remain there. In another way, mm -hmm. stay how you were before you got saved. Yeah. Your position, your office, you know, however you want to say it, right? Right. Um, and so we're going to dissect this just a little bit. Now, to start off, going back to verse 10, he, Paul is making a categorical statement here. Mm. To the married, I give this charge, right. not I, but the Lord. Now, that word charge can be translated instructions as well, but it's in the Greek, it means to transmit a message. So that's why he says, not I, but the Lord. So, he, so he's literally saying, here's what the Lord has said yeah. to the married. Right? right? It's not Paul's opinion here, which he does give, and he makes it very clear when he is doing that. Yeah. Right? So, Chad, what, what is he saying here? Well, with the, with the married, he's talking about if you are um, married, you shouldn't separate. Um, and if you do get a divorce, you should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to your husband because mm -hmm. divorce in that situation was not permitted. The Lord only gives certain permissions for divorce. And those are either death, which isn't a divorce, but obviously you're unmarried right. if your spouse dies, adultery, or abandonment that we see in this um, passage. And so he's talking about how if you have an unbeliever who consents to live um, with him, 
if she consents to live with him, speaking to the brother, he should not divorce her. And if any woman has a husband who's an unbeliever and he consents, don't divorce her because you make them holy. Now, what I want to say here is this isn't salvation. This doesn't mean that Mm -hmm. it saves your spouse because if that's what Paul meant here, then he wouldn't even be calling it an unbelieving spouse. Mm -hmm. But in the temporal sense, in the familial sense, um, it means that the grace of the believer flows over into the unbeliever and it's an opportunity for them maybe to be saved. Mm -hmm. Um, And it makes the children holy because having one of the spouses um, saved allows the children to see and and know faith and and Mm -hmm. become saved too. So it's a good thing to stay there if if they consent to live. And that's a big word right there, the consent to live. Because... This is speaking of the partner who just leaves and wants to separate. You're free to let them go. Uh, and that's pretty cut and dry. If you have an unbelieving spouse who says, I don't, I don't like your faith. I don't want to be a part of this marriage anymore. I'm leaving you. I'm going. Mm-hmm. You're free to let them go because the Lord wants peace. And, and it's a grace to you as a believing spouse. Um, and this is usually in situations, because this is speaking of how you were, uh, this doesn't condone marrying an unbelieving person and then feeling like you're being slighted because they don't want to live with you. Mm-hmm. Um, that you shouldn't have married an unbelieving person in the first place. But mm-hmm. this is in that context of you get you got saved, you're already married, the, your spouse didn't get saved. Yeah. And that spouse decides, I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want to be a part of your life. You know, it's way. interesting. As you're speaking, I was thinking about an example of this very, mm-hmm. very, this very thing. Uh, a man named Lee Strobel, mm-hmm. who wrote The Case for Christ. Yeah. You know, he and his wife were like ardent atheists, yep. right? So anyways, wife gets saved and right. she comes home and says, uh, I'm following Jesus now. And he goes, what? Right. So rather than just get rid of, you know, divorce her right away, he actually, you know, sought went, to disprove, sought to disprove the yeah. Bible. And that's actually how he ended up getting saved, you know? So just a, a, a unique and little he story and there. And he didn't want to divorce his wife. He didn't want to lose his wife to right. Christianity either. Right. Um, but so so just it. a little example there, but... But yeah. going on to, so Chad, you got into to verses 12 through 16. Well, I want, to, I want to say one thing about the consent part. Right. Because this also applies to situations of a great abuse and danger. Mm-hmm. If you have a, a spouse who's physically abusing and the, there's a fear for the believing spouse, you're also able to divorce here because just because that person wants to stay physically in the home, they have abandoned the marriage mm. and it's a danger to you. And so we wouldn't say in that case, because they haven't chosen to leave, then you can't divorce them. Um, cause it's a matter of them abandoning the covenant marriage and it's a matter of safety. So mm-hmm. just want to throw a couple caveats there that this passage helps us understand. That's, that's really important actually. And I was just going to bring attention to the 15th verse. Um, you know, which talks about the unbeliever, you know, is focusing on their desire to separate. And Paul just says, okay, well, let it be so. Um, but what you just said mm-hmm. is very pertinent to even what the, the language that Paul uses. Yeah. He says, in such cases, mm-hmm. this is verse 15, the brother or sister is not enslaved. Now that word was mm-hmm. uh, used in Jewish divorce documents. It's right. very interesting, right? But when you take that slavery language uh, right. and you apply it to your salvation, Right. I mean, you're ultimately a slave to who, right? Christ, right? right? So, you know, for anyone that was listening to you and go, wait, hold on, you get mm-hmm. to initiate the divorce there? Well, it's, 
first of all, a non-believer is outside the new covenant, mm-hmm. right? So, so ultimately, a believer's allegiance lies solely to Christ. Mm-hmm. Secondarily, um, like you said, Chad, that non-believer may remain physically attached, mm-hmm. but spiritually they've abandoned the marriage covenant, right. which, by the way, was made before God. And it's and it's becoming a place of danger, and 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 God has called you to peace. Right. Whereas, like, we wouldn't say to maybe a wife who has a husband who's beating her on a regular basis that she right. should stay there. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. God has called us to peace. So, on the flip side of this, too, if you have someone who is a believer and like really, really thinks that they're going to be the one, right. you know, to to change their husband or their or their wife, right. right? Paul Paul speaks to that. Yeah. He speaks to that. Really, that's pride. He says, verse 16, for how do you know, right. wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your mm-hmm. wife? You don't know, ultimately. Right. And, and the reality is, when it comes to salvation, nobody, right. no human saves another human. Right. God saves, right? right? Humans are the conduit that God uses, but God has to initiate salvation. He has to effect right. salvation, and he will carry it all the way through to glorification. Right. Um, and so, so, you know, lest anyone out there think that, you know, they're the one chalking up souls for the kingdom. Uh, you're not. Right. So um, let's move on then to uh, verse 17 through 24. Now, verse 17 is, if you, you know, if you're at your house, listeners, you could underline this, you can mark this. Verse 17 is the general principle. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. Uh, Paul's not really referring to two different things necessarily. Okay, the Lord has assigned to each person, as we've said before when we were studying Ecclesiastes, Chad, a little lot in life, mm-hmm. right? And Ecclesiastes speaks to that a lot. Um, but when when Paul uses the language assigned there, that's what he's referring to. But then specifically to which God has called him, that's actually not referring to salvation in this particular sentence. It's again, just he's sort of saying the same thing. I'll say it in my own words, stay where you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let You should have a heavy dependence on the sovereignty of God, right? And this is, Paul says, his rule in all the churches in verse mm-hmm. 17. So you wanna make sure that you understand the general principles throughout the book of 1 Corinthians because Paul takes those principles and kind of runs with them. And that's what he does now in the following verses. And I'll, re- I'll read them again, starting at verse 18. Was anyone at the time of his call, of his salvation, already circumcised? Mm -hmm. Let him not seek to remove the marks of his circumcision. Now, that's pretty, you know, interesting because in Roman culture, when we're talking about exercise, Romans exercise naked, right? Now, when we go to the gym, we see people who are basically butt naked, (laughs) but they still got some, they still got some spandex on or some clothes on or whatever. That's mostly because there's a rule. I bet if you took the rule away. We're so civilized. (laughs) You'd probably probably find some who'd be be glad to go ahead and Oh, yeah. But Greeks and Romans exercised naked and circumcision was regarded by their culture as mutilation. So you could understand that any Mm. Jewish believers here, you know, working out naked, we're going to be somewhat kind of self-conscious, right? right? And so when Paul says, let him not seek to remove the marks of his circumcision, he is very literally talking about a surgery yeah. where they would reverse circumcise these Jewish people. And, and Paul talks about this, how, look, I mean, th- whether you're circumcised or not, it makes no difference mm-hmm. as, as it pertains to your salvation, 
right? And so again, taking that general principle, stay how you were when you were called, yeah. he applies it first to circumcision, which, you know, if you know Paul's letters was a big deal. Yeah. For a Jew is a massive deal, right? And then he goes on to say, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor circumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. And when he says that, he makes a little allusion to Ecclesiastes, which is one of our favorite books here at the Nehemiah Project, specifically Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13, which says, fear God and keep his commandments, mm -hmm. for this is the whole duty of man. Yeah. So Paul's just taking an Old, an Old Testament principle and now applying it to New Testament theology, mm -hmm. right? Paul does this all the time, by the way. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was a good Pharisee. He knew the word of God, and he applied it after Christ rightly. Mm -hmm. And so that's what he's doing there. This is the first of his digressions, going on to circumcision. Verse 20, again, each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Reiterating, right? Verse 21, were you a slave when you were called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, well, then definitely avail, your, avail yourself of that opportunity, right? Yeah. If, the, if the opportunity presents, yourself to, presents itself to get out of slavery, then go for it. But here's a couple of notes on slavery, listeners. Slavery back in the day of Paul's day uh, was very different mm -hmm. than we think of it today in 21st century America. Yeah. So if you were a slave that was maybe mining or maybe in gladiatorial combat, because this was very common as well, obviously that was considered as a death sentence, mm -hmm. right? Mining conditions were very, very difficult. In fact, my father used to be, he grew up in the coal mines in England as a 12, 13, and 14-year-old, and the black lung back even in those days was very common. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine how it was <laughs> during the Roman times. You know, they didn't have mm -hmm. any idea where this stuff was coming from. So if you were a slave in those sort of conditions, yeah, definitely seek to avail yourself of that status. But if you were slavery in the field, depending on where your field was, was a lot less difficult. But check this out. Urban slavery was completely different, right? In fact, some aristocratic women even married slaves of very high status just right. to better their own lives. Mm -hmm. right? we, I think we've mentioned this before, but for instance, if you were a slave to Caesar, you had a very high level of status. Right. You were an extension of Caesar, right? So, you know, you probably don't want to change that scenario unless, of course, you have to worship Caesar. Mm -hmm. Then you could lose your life if you're a Christian now. But the point is, is that Paul is just applying the general principle that he stated over and over again to different situations. And in verse 22, he reminds all those who are slaves and who were slaves when they were called that they're actually freed in the Lord. He says, for he who was called in the Lord as a slave is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when he was, when called is actually a slave of Christ, which is again, that paradoxical thing that we see throughout a lot of different doctrines in the scriptures. Verse 23, he says, for you were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. So brothers and sisters, in whatever condition each was called, let them remain there and with God. Mm. The point is this, regardless of what your life throws at you, God is sovereign. Right. And you are in God's family, which means you have a tremendous amount of privilege. Mm -hmm. You have... Even if you are married to unbelievers, Paul says they're going to have some spillover blessing, Yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, that, that's what Chad was talking about in verses 14 through 16. Paul says, look, that person is made holy. Now, in other translations, it's translated sanctified. Mm -hmm. In the Greek, it means that person has been made ceremonially clean. Why? 
because they're in a marriage covenant with you. The husband yeah. and wife are one flesh. Yeah. Well, the believer's one flesh with Christ. So there's there's some spillover blessing there. Mm-hmm. As you said, Chad, they're not saved, right? right? But there's an opportunity for their salvation. There. Right. The gospel is a blessing, Yeah. right? And so um, Paul, again, is taking a general principle and doing a little bit of a digression there and applying it to circumcision, slavery, and marriage. Mm-hmm. That's what we see. And he boils it down to the, the simple fact as you brought up mike is just keep the commandments of god just keep the commandments of god that's your that's your focus sometimes we can be too externally focused and motivated and it should start internally i should be asking the question what most glorifies god what's most loving and serving to others to grace commandments it's not about what house i have or what position i have or what job do i do or what all that stuff is secondary issues that'll be worked out as I'm focused on seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, Mm -hmm. Matthew 6, 33. And one one more note before we leave, because slavery is a topic that, you know, is obviously an explosive one, and rightly so. Right. Uh, It's tempting to think as a 21st century American, you know, why doesn't Paul or the Bible, for that matter, just unequivocally condemn slavery? Like, why Mm -hmm. doesn't it do that? Well, I'm not going to answer that question in full, but I can tell you this, that uh, the assumption that all people just, quote unquote, deserve freedom is a uniquely post-Enlightenment and post-American idea that was foreign Mm -hmm. to this historical time period. In other words, people didn't grow up just thinking, wow, slavery is just wicked. Mm -hmm. People didn't think that way. I know it's hard for us to understand because we are post-Enlightenment, post-American thinkers, right? And if you know anything about the American in, 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 in American Revolution and in the Enlightenment period, yeah, the sovereignty of the individual was a, a tremendously impactful idea. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't around in Roman times. That doesn't mean people didn't look, you know, down on slaves and all that. But the point is, they did not think the way that we think. Mm-hmm. Secondly, every single attempted slave revolt during this period was brutally crushed. Mm-hmm. No mercy, right? Mm-hmm. So Paul basically is giving practical advice to, to slaves that could quite literally save their lives. Mm-hmm. And he's reminding them of the eternal perspective yeah. that despite their slavery now, they've been made free in the Lord. Yeah. And so, so rather than becoming a revolutionary, Paul just changes it from the inside out. Yeah. And so I hope that you know, answers any sort of questions that may be popping up in people's minds. Like, why doesn't the Bible just condemn slavery, right? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, it doesn't say that slavery is a good thing, Mm -hmm. right? But there are a lot of areas in the scriptures, which we won't get into today, that describe um, the slave-master relationship that really painted in a different picture. Like, I'm trying hard not to go on a tangent here. (laughs) But basically, the quality of a slave's life was dictated by the the quality of the master's character. And if the master was a believer that loved the Lord Jesus Christ— that slave had a very good situation, right? So it's not necessarily the institution of slavery as much as it is the heart of man that is the issue. Right. And really, in the way that slavery worked in the Old Testament times and different things, it was much like employer-employee relationships. It was like get slavery. Yeah. It wasn't wasn't like what we saw, like you said, in colonial colonial slavery. Uh, You weren't a slave from birth to death. Right. And so, not that... We sit here and say that slavery is a good thing, right? Um, but it, 
it is helpful for us to understand that that's a different thing than mm-hmm. Paul's not saying that the type of slavery that we think of in our history was okay. Right. He didn't have <laughs> any idea of what that was. You right, know? right. So, so just a, a minor note on slavery, but the point is, if you're saved, stay in that position until the Lord frees you. That's right. And then always, as always, consult the scriptures because we have the blessing of having the entirety of God's revelation in our hands right. in the Holy Bible. Amen. Any final words? That's good. All right. Well, we thank you all for listening to another episode of the Nehemiah Project podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Nehemiah Project podcast. For more resources about addiction recovery, suicide prevention, and overcoming other life controlling issues, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and visit our website, tnproject.org. If you or someone you love is struggling, don't hesitate to reach out to us by calling 985 205 3022.